This is episode 99 of the Landscape Photography Show, and before we get into today's episode, I want to celebrate Michael Ganea for being a patron for the podcast and helping the podcast continue to go week after week. It's not always easy trying to get the best photographers on here to talk about their experiences and their life, and Michael just helps that process go a little bit easier through his Patreon subscription of just $5 a month. Michael's able to get access to exclusive audio, like the exclusive audio that we'll be talking about with today's guests from today's episode over on Patreon, as well as several of the past episodes having access to those too, as well as some other benefits. We have tiers that fit everybody's budget. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast, go ahead and go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for a tier that fits your budget and continues the podcast going week after week. Let's get to today's episode though. Today we're talking with photographer Eric Erlenbush and I was really fascinated to talk with Eric because I've seen his name come up several times on Instagram from recommendations from other photographers as well as I'm following him for quite a while now and it's always inspiring to see his work. It's extremely different and thought-provoking if you've ever seen small scene photography or larger scenes that have a different twist on them. You'll know what I mean when we get into today's episode, but I was really interested to hear from Eric on not only his journey into landscape photography, but also his pinhole camera usage in landscape photography as well. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Eric Erlenbush. Eric is joining us from Southwest Utah, and we were just talking about the weather differences right before we jumped on. Humidity in Tennessee versus slight humidity, I'll say, Eric, that you experience in Utah. I don't know if you can really compare the two, like 80% versus 50%. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but it's uh, <laughs> it's still it's relative. <laughs> Why don't you fill us in on the story of how you actually got into photography and then what led you to take it on as kind of like your business? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on here, first of all, and really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I have been mostly shooting, I would say, my ever since about high school, but, you know, those were kind of along the lines of how everyone else shoots. You know, you go out and uh, get a little camera, you start taking pictures, start sharing with some friends and family, and you're like, oh, this is cool. Like, going to take some pictures and share my travels and adventures. Um, so ever since, like, high school, started, you know, borrowing my mom's 35-millimeter camera and then got my own. Um, but it was always just kind of, like, documenting hiking, backpacking, skiing, outdoors stuff. Um, just to kind of show like what was out there, you know, what's on the other side of the mountains from, uh, what we see in town. And, you know, this was all, I grew up in Western Montana. So, I mean, the outdoors were all over and around me every day. Um, just kind of carried on with that, you know, through my outdoor adventures, you know, just kind of dabbled here and there. And then 
I guess it was probably in my 20s then I had an opportunity to use a different 35 millimeter camera, more of an SLR. And I was like, well, wait a second, this actually starts to take pictures that I actually want to see, you know, a little bit better quality. And so still just kind of dabbling around with that. You know, I wasn't, I wouldn't say pursuing photography of any sort. And I started messing around with some slide film in this old 35 millimeter camera and started teaching myself exposures, like put it on manual, manual everything, spot metering, and going out and try to make a good picture on slide film. And that just kind of carried on, started, was able to teach myself photography and was able to, um, you know, take a little bit better pictures of kind of what I was seeing out there as I was like going hiking, backpacking, traveling, um, just exploring. And that's about what photography was, you know, through, I would say probably up till about 10, 15 years ago. And then all of a sudden it just started taking a little bit more importance to where I would maybe start taking some trips that were dedicated towards photography or like more of a scenic location that I wanted to actually try to make better photos with. And it just kind of was a slow evolution. Um, fast forward a few years and I was working in Park City, Utah. And I pretty much had nature surrounding me at all points. And I would find myself going out to try and shoot a little bit more and more. Um, and then there was kind of, I would say one specific day that everything just kind of made sense or just like switched. Um, I was out like hiking in the fall. It was this beautiful fall colors in the Aspens and everything around Park City and it had just rained. There was like a clearing storm. And so there was like fog swirling through the Aspens, all the colors, everything. And it just kind of looked like a painting. And, and uh, I was out hiking that morning, but I had to go to work that afternoon. And so I'm like looking down at the clock. It's like 11 o'clock. I'm like, okay, it's time to go. Well, the fog is just swirling and everything. And I'm, I just remember stopping and asking myself, like, why am I leaving something that I love to go do something that I don't really love? Um, I mean, I enjoyed my job, but I didn't love it. And uh, six months after that day is when I left my career to take more of a journey that was focused on photography. And that was back in 2013. So realistically, I would say like my journey through photography really started about 2012, 2013. Um, and then it's continued up to this day. It's funny. Your story is very familiar to me because I've heard a lot of other photographers on the show share, you know, photography was just this documentary experience for me sharing outdoor adventures. And then it became more serious. At what point for you, I mean, you shared the Aspen tree story on why you wanted to make it your career because you love it. But, but at what point before that, did it transition from just documentary to actually like getting really serious about it? Uh, I think it happened actually after that point, that was, you know, up until that point, I kind of saw photography as more of a documentary um, intention for myself of just trying to capture 
things or places or scenes that I've come across outside. And I think it was when I really started spending more time with landscape photography and like dedicating more time of my life towards it that I really started like to be able to start seeing something kind of beyond the landscape. Um, but it took a little bit more of a deep dive. I don't think that that came first for me and then started pursuing photography to do that. I think it was a result of actually spending more and more time focused on the photography side while being out in nature. Um, I'd always seen nature and outdoor experiences as, um, I would say like a little more, I felt like a little, there was a little bit more than what we were seeing. I always remembered going into some galleries or like seeing other photos. And, and this was before I considered myself a photographer. I was like, wait a second, this is what like people are showing in their photos. I was like, I've seen many more interesting things out in nature just on my own experiences. Like there has to be something else out there. There, there has to be more that, you know, what are, what are people not showing in these photos? And so I had that kind of before I'd really pursued, got into photography more, but it was through actually shooting and spending more and more time and letting those kind of experiences and scenes come to me that um, that really kind of opened the door. Compare your, your photographs from then to what they are right now. Uh, like a three-year-old versus someone <laughs> who's, who knows how to use a camera. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, they were just like documentaries. So, I mean, like there was always, you know, I, I think like looking back, like there were maybe elements of composition that I kind of picked up on or identified with uh, pretty quickly. And I've always been kind of drawn to the sky and the atmosphere and like the full scenes like that. So, I mean, those, those elements kind of still carry on, but yeah, it was, uh, more or less just kind of shooting where I was and what I was doing versus maybe, you know, now like a little bit more thought goes into it. Like, why am I going to a place? What is, you know, or like being able to see whether it's design, um, shapes, composition, flow, color, whatever, a little more naturally. And it's just a little bit more intuitively now than something I would have to like actually think about and study before. Why do you think, though, it, it was difficult for you to call yourself a photographer? Because you, you didn't even do it in your answer just a second ago. Uh, at that time, I don't know that I was, I would consider myself a photographer because I was like more or less just like going out with a camera just to take pictures. But I wasn't ever, photography was never the purpose of those trips. It was always just taking pics, like nicer photos as I was going backpacking or something. But it wasn't until, I would say I started calling myself a photographer once I made that mental switch of pursuing, you know, my, my intent outside was with the goal of making images. Like that was more of my focus. I would always like place the outdoor experiences first, but I had my camera and that was why I was kind of going out there, putting myself in positions to actually find and create images. And so that's when I think I would call myself more of a photographer to there was a little bit more intent behind it instead of just uh, um, going out for a hike and taking pictures. 
I approached you about be about coming on the podcast uh, after Marco Cipriaso told me to reach out to you as, yeah, as somebody he recommended. <laughs> what does it mean to you knowing that some of your peers, I mean, especially somebody as talented as Marco says that, that you need to be featured on here? Uh, it feels pretty honoring. I'm, I'm pretty honored by that. Like, um, you know, a lot of what I do is very much just kind of my interpretation of things or the way I see things or sharing some of my thoughts and to know that there's some resonation among other people that have, you know, like Marco has a beautiful artistic eye that there's recognition from some of those peers that, you know, that they see something in what I do because it's never, you know, you don't like, you don't want to get caught in that, that trap of like trying to go out and create for someone else or to like try to appease or um, appeal to others. But it sure feels good when what you do is kind of like seen, I guess, with in the way that you want it to, um, or that there are elements of what you do that that resonate with others. So I mean, that feels very good because at the end of the day, it's a it's a photograph. We want to be able to share something that we can't talk about or something that we can't um, express otherwise. Do you follow Marco's work pretty closely? I do. Yeah, I've been. Uh, he's he's always very nice. Uh, kind of reaches out and will share. Um, you know, thanks. Have a good day. And um, like he's got a lot of these abstract designs throughout his work, um, and he's always just kind of approaching the landscape and just through a very small and intimate and beautiful way. So yeah. Now, Marco sent me some really beautiful and delicious, like, roasted coffee and tea after he came on. Um, <laughs> what, what are you going to send me? Well, we have a ton of coffee in Utah because a lot of people <laughs> drink it. So the, the shelves are always stocked, but uh, it's not very good. So I'll okay. think about something else. Uh, <laughs> don't send me, don't send me some- that then. I will. I, I make some pretty mean cinnamon rolls from scratch, so maybe I'll uh, I'll try and send you up some homemade cinnamon rolls. So, <laughs> and in lieu of you mailing them to me, next time I'm out there, why don't I just come and you can make them for me? They go good with coffee at sunrise in the desert. How about that? That works. <laughs> I'm on board with that. All right, deal. Okay. When did you start making those? Like, how'd you perfect it? Oh, I think that was from my grandma used to make those. So I, uh, okay. it's more of a personal enjoyment to make those as well. So um, I've perfected them since the first time. Um, I've never had a bad batch. So no. <laughs> well, I'm just glad you didn't say that they were out of a Pillsbury roll. Uh, no, we don't do those. So <laughs> we'll, make, uh, we'll make some good ones. <laughs> okay. What does nature mean to you overall and through your journey and through your life? Uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's a sense of balance. Um, it's calm. It's balance. It's a source of inspiration with kind of the unknown and the discovery out there. Um, you know, there's kind of one thought where nature can kind of teach you a little bit. Um, there's also kind of things in nature that 
are more of reflective of you. And I think that through photography, it allows you to kind of both discover things that are there and discover things maybe about yourself that you see reflected in nature. Um, you know, I think the more time that you spend in nature, the the more that you're able to start seeing or feeling these things or having those experiences out there, you know, and it, 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 some people, I guess, identify with like a certain geological or geographic area for nature, you know, whether it be in the mountains, desert, ocean, forests. Um, I guess one of the joys through photography is like, it, it kind of propels you to like, think of, okay, well, I get this feeling in the mountains. What is, what's the appeal to the desert, you know, and like spending time in the desert environments, like you start seeing or experiencing the the ways that the desert can look a lot like another landscape or give these same feels of balance and surprise and discovery. And you can get that through the desert. You can go to the ocean and walk on the coast. You can go through the forest. You can go hike along the mountains and the ridgelines. Um, and those, those similar aspects of each environment are there. And I think from all of my time outside, you know, those, those are important um, elements, I guess, like finding that, that sense of discovery and that sense of balance just like through maybe skiing, through backpacking, hiking, uh, wandering, just going for a long trail walk or something. And just having that time to yeah, take a step on the trail and, you know, like time kind of stops for a minute. And there's just like this balance with nature that, Sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's large, sometimes it, you know, takes a little bit of looking. Um, but I think including nature and having the time to spend in nature is definitely a big part of my life and something that I need to kind of balance. Um, you know, right now it's, I, I, I'm pretty fortunate to be able to spend a lot of time with nature. Um, in the past, that wasn't necessarily the case. I, uh, my previous career before I did photography, I was in hotel management. And so like when I lived in Seattle, I was up there and we're working downtown in a huge hotel and, you know, dealing with thousands of people, you know, five days a week. And on my days off, it was like, go to the Olympic coast, turn off the cell phone, get out of cell phone range, no emails, no phone calls and just walk and just like feel the rain, listen to the waves, look at the trees, um, hike for miles on the trails, go on the ridge lines, whatever. And that allowed me to actually come back to the city environment, back to my um, busy professional life with like that sense of balance there too. So, I mean, it was, it was reflected in like my day-to-day -day life at that point. And even when I moved and lived in Park City, I was still in hotel management but nature was close. It was like I could work as hard as I wanted to for five or six days a week, but nature was always like right there to kind of help balance um, the busyness of day-to-day -day life. And now, you know, maybe I don't, I don't have that same go, go, go from the hotel management side of things, but nature is still that balance, you know, when you get caught up in 
whether it's like daily stress or, you know, the day-to-day -day working, um, you know, whether you're working for yourself or working for someone else or trying to start something, you know, it's, it's still important for me to take those times in nature to kind of just help reset, help give balance, help uh, show a little, maybe a surprise from nature or something just to kind of keep life like fresh and uh, exciting. Without that balance, what would happen? I think uh, for me, you it kind of feels like you get stuck doing the same thing as everyone else at the same times and just kind of going along with the flow and losing a little bit of uh, individuality, um, losing a little bit of like that zest for life. Um, I feel like that gets a little more subdued. Um, but with that balance, I feel like able to give a little bit more attention and focus to maybe the work life um, side of things or social or friends, family, you know, everything else in life. So it's just a, a way to kind of refuel the parts of, of life that need to be refueled and recharged. The last time nature really taught you something about yourself was, was when? Uh, I mean, I can even say last night. Um, so I was out shooting last night. We've had a lot of monsoon flow kind of coming through Southwest Utah this year. Um, it, you walk outside and you can feel the air, you know, in our quote, quote, humidity, humidity. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we have like a little bit different environment right now. Um, there's a lot of storms, humid, the ground's wet. Um, we're getting that every day. And, you know, I was out there kind of wandering around. There's this storm that had kind of passed through Zion. So that had kind of missed seeing any kind of storm activity. And I'm, and I was just walking around this like sandstone area, had some little pools and such. Um, it was just kind of like roaming and looking for anything that maybe caught my eye or caught me told me something interesting and uh and I it was just like very quiet and peaceful and calm and I just kept on thinking like you know wait a second this landscape um is I, I always call it kind of this landscape of contrast like we get incredibly hot and incredibly dry and then things can just shift and change here um it goes from super hot and dry to like wet, muggy, humid. It goes from like clear, clear, you know, 300 days a year to just intense storms. And so we get these like wild contrast in this landscape around here. And even just last night, just, you know, the, after I think we tied our record high in June um, in Utah, it was 117 here, you know, and like 4% humidity and just like an oven. And then just a less than a month later, here we are and just like, an abnormally wet, beautiful monsoon season, and it just changes. And it just reminded me, I guess, of, you know, these abrupt changes in life sometimes, or these like contrasts that we see in our daily life. And I see it kind of reflected out in nature and in this landscape. And those changes are good. Those little, you know, they don't have to be like the same every single day. There can be these extreme contrasts, but then through those contrasts, it balances, you know, and it's like, how I was mentioning working in a busy, busy environment and then taking time out to just unplug the phone, turn it off and go for a walk in nature. 
that's an extreme contrast too from dealing with thousands of people. You know, and a lot of people are in those positions, you know, whether it's through work or maybe some other stress in their daily life. And, you know, just having those, those moments of balance in between. Um, I see that reflected out in nature all the time. And I think like it's allowed a different appreciation for those abrupt changes in balance. Like it's not just a storm. It's, you know, an abrupt change from the endless clear and blue skies that we get. Um, and so, yeah, I see those, I would probably say like I saw that last night. Um, I've seen there, I mean, there's been some other more profound moments I would say that have kind of shaped or changed my journey a little bit, but, you know, I tend to learn or discover something about myself, like, or see something reflected almost every time. If somebody listens to you describe that and they're like, I've, I've never had an experience like that before when I was out looking for photos or just trying to respond to the landscape in our, in an artistic way, how would you say that, that they could feel the same thing or feel something similar to that? I think maybe part of it has to do with the time and pace. Um, like I think sometimes we get into too much of a rush or we have too many expectations or we have something specific we want to see. Um, so I think maybe slowing down the overall pace, like get rid of those expectations. Don't go to a place, just go outside and enjoy, like maybe walk as slow as possible. Maybe even just sit and just stop for a second. Um, and I think it takes a slight shift in the way that you look and think about some things of, uh, kind of, I, I don't know, I guess maybe it's just like, watch the light change over something and, and just focus on one area. Um, I watch the way like a certain tree moves or something or watch like what happens, um, you know, looking in an area that you thought, oh, it's all in the shade, so there's not going to be any good light. Well, did you look down there? Did you go and like look around? Or like, um, I think people sometimes get in too much of a rush that things are going to be maybe too obvious. They don't uh, see what's there on their own. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, I've been constantly surprised with. And that's probably one of the things that fascinates me about the desert the most is that there's, when you put in that effort, when you put in those extra steps to kind of like, Hey, I wonder what's down in there. Most of most of the time there's going to be something somewhat interesting, whether it's a photo or not, or whether you kind of gain a little bit of knowledge about maybe something that you can use for the future or something like, Oh, that's cool. And then some other trip or some other time outside, you see like a different variation of that. And you're like, ah, okay, cool. That's the photo. Cause I've seen this like 10 times before. And so I think that people can try to start discovering that on their own. If they, you know, spend a little bit more time outside, go out on a walk around the neighborhood, um, slow down and like kind of, get out of the mindset of like having to go to a certain place to photograph a certain thing under certain light at the right time at the right place. Like 
let go of all that and just, I mean, allow yourself like some of those experiences, allow yourself to like see nature, do some of that thing, that stuff. You clearly have like a pretty deep emotional connection to your work, your photos. Um, is it difficult for you when somebody sees one of those and has a different experience with it? Is it difficult for you to let go and have their own experience that may be completely different than your interpretation? Uh, no, actually, it's that's awesome when that happens because, I mean, I do have, I would say, a pretty passionate or uh, connected emotional experience to a lot of the whether the images or the scenes or the moments that I, that I photograph and I'm out in. But one of the things I love about photography is that it, it's a, you know, it's this two dimensional piece that's in between me and, and whoever else. I put everything that I have into that image and they have their own, you know, their own luggage that they're carrying with them. They have their own experiences that they're bringing to it. And so maybe they are seeing the same thing. They didn't see my, they didn't have my experience, but they're seeing something different in that photo that maybe I don't see because I didn't have their experience. And so it's, it, it's kind of this a photograph to me is like a, it's like this meeting ground between like the, the viewer and the, the artist, like the artist gets to say something and express something and have something in the photo that the viewer wasn't able to experience, but then there's a middle ground. And I think, um, understanding and learning from other people like what they see how they see it as well like that's ultimately like why we make a photograph so you know it's partly because of the artist but then the other part there has to be a viewer and that's an important part of that that whole process to me so i love hearing from others like maybe they didn't see something maybe they see something totally different maybe it's just like meh like they didn't quite get what i was trying to put in there um, but it's, I find it more on the interesting side than, you know, any kind of frustration or any kind of like, well, they obviously don't get it. So, I mean, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I tend not to think that way. I was like hearing about what other people see or what other people feel about an image. Um, maybe even like a story or something that it reminds them of. Um, like, I love hearing that. Has there ever been a story or a memory that, that comes up with somebody that has just like floored you? Um, I'd have to think about it a little, nothing off the top of my head. Um, terrible question then. Yeah, no, <laughs> I could probably come back to it. I, I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head. Um, you know, I don't, have anything off the top of my head from from my own work i would say that um i i can relate to it though so backing up just a little bit through through my photography journey um i had a chance to work for um thomas mangelson for several years and he does wildlife wow. and landscape photography and i managed his photo gallery in park city um and through, through the gallery experience, I've had a ton of those experiences, though, of people seeing a photograph and talking to them about the photograph that they obviously weren't there when, 
you know, they're standing in front of a, a picture of a, a tiger. They obviously weren't there when that photo was taken. They know nothing about that. But seeing them have an intense emotional reaction to this and talking to them about it, um, you know, whether it's that image or other images of certain wildlife or just images of uh, like a natural landscape that hearing other people's interpretation or why they loved the photo, why what it meant to them, um, those are pretty powerful. And so, you know, I would say like one example of this was, um, you know, this lady looking at a tiger. She was, there was, we had this beautiful 30 by 45 tiger image that was on the wall is, you know, shot on film back in the nineties. And it's just this tiger like posing in this light in the forest. And, um, you know, and to, to the photographer, it was, you know, it was a portrait. It was a, a portrait of maybe like this animal soul or something. And this person that was standing in front of this was just like dead silent. She wasn't moving. And I just watched her and she was just like not moving. And then for about 10 minutes later, I could see her like kind of twitching or shaking a little bit. I walked over and she was like full on crying. And then I walk over, you know, I'm like, tried to talk to her, but then I backed up and just kind of let her have her own space and then walked up to her a little bit later. So probably 20 minutes had passed and she's still just standing motionless in front of this photo. And uh, like, I don't remember saying anything to her, but she just turned to me and was like, you know, why, like, you know, why would anyone want to hurt these animals? Here it is just a picture of a tiger. It's just this pose. And it triggered this intense emotional reaction from this lady who went on to, you know, have this like 20 minute full paralyzation, um, talking about like how she wanted to get involved, what she wanted to do to help protect these tigers. And she was just looking at a photograph of a tiger just sitting there, you know, like, so I, it was, she, I went on and talked to her for, for quite a while later and give her a lot of information on how she can get involved and what she can do and stuff. I wasn't, you know, like in any way trying to sell her a photo at that point. Um, but seeing someone's reaction like that, you know, in person, and it, in that case, it wasn't my own photo, but representing that and being able to talk to someone about those intense emotional reactions that they were having and, you know, that they could actually use that to um, feel some change or to actually do something with um, her emotions and passion on that. So that, that, that moment definitely stands out for me. Um, with some of my own work, you know, I, I don't have any specific example, but I would say we get a lot of, um, there's a lot of like memory that is involved with some of the photos that are, or the, some of the comments that I get from people about like the images maybe remind them of, of, of a place or a time or a feeling that they had. And so to me that that's pretty fulfilling to, to be able to say like, you know, you weren't out there having that same experience with me, but I was able to like make something to help you or to like, give you a, 
an emotional response, a, a memory, a feeling. And um, I think when that happens, a photo is effective, no matter kind of what the subject, that there's some sort of a connection or reaction from the viewer and some sort of a communication from the artist and the viewer. Um, I love that about photography and that it just allows it to happen at a, the simplest way possible. You know, no video, no three-dimensional sculpture, no exhibit, nothing like that. It's just a simple two-dimensional image. You are pretty experimental uh, in your photography. I was going through some of your galleries on your website. Um, do you see yourself as kind of like a revolutionary or somebody who pushes the boundaries in landscape photography? No, um, I'm, it's interesting that you see that, but I, uh, I don't see myself that way at all. Um, I tend to see myself more as just kind of independently thinking and just kind of curious about what I can do with maybe the camera or what the camera can allow me to do or to see. Um, and I guess the one... Oh, the one thing about like myself as a photographer that maybe some people, I guess, don't have is that um, I'm not afraid to like make a mistake or to make images that like, eh, well, that was <laughs> an experiment. Um, <laughs> I think having that that freedom to just maybe try something different or to try like, I wonder what this would look like if I did this, like, let's try it. Maybe it's not right, but I'm going to keep on doing this, um, you know, or saying something in, along the lines of, um, you know, kind of like how, I guess, to steal the title of Guy Tall's book, that more than a rock, like, okay, it's a tree. Well, what else is it? Like, what, mm -hmm. how else can we see this tree? Is this, you, you see the tree and you're feeling something. So maybe can you like create an image of something that maybe you're feeling or something that you're expressing because the camera can do a lot of things more than just record a scene. It, um, you know, it has some pretty amazing ways that it can do it pretty simply. And there's different types of cameras out there, you know, not just one that takes the clearest, sharpest, most in focus picture. And so I think with, that approach to photography, I'm more open to making mistakes and more open to trying something or more open to saying like, okay, well, what, how else could we see this? Um, because at the end of the day, it's not necessarily a photo of what something looked like. It's more or less like creating an image that can help someone either identify or communicate something with someone. Um, and I think there's a lot of ways to do that. So yeah, I don't, I don't see myself as like pushing anything or doing anything. I just like, um, kind of going along with my own intuition or my own experiences. I think one of the things that I saw on your site that, that really interested me was your work with pinhole cameras. Um, yeah. And I remember experimenting with pinhole cameras like forced on me when I was in elementary school <laughs> or something. I don't know. Maybe we were looking at like a solar eclipse. I'm not really sure what we were doing. Um, but pinhole cameras, you know, in an age where 
sharpness and color and detail is is all the rage what's the difference in using a pinhole camera for you versus the experience of using you know your typical mirrorless or dslr yeah yeah it's a it's um a couple things number one it's fun um it's you know, you put your camera on a tripod and you go out there and someone walks by and they're not going to say anything. They're just going to be like, oh, it's a photographer. Mm. You put a pinhole camera on a tripod, people don't just pass by. They stop. They're like, what is that? Like, <laughs> they don't even know. <laughs> like, what, you have this wooden box. Like, what is that? And then you talk to them and explain a little bit about, like, what a pinhole can do or what you're actually doing. And they're, they're curious, you know, so, I mean, there's, um, there's that element that's fun. There's uh, an element with pinhole photography that is fun in the way that you never really kind of know what you're going to get. Like you have a pretty good idea of what you're photographing and what the, what the layout and everything is, but you don't exactly know. And so there's a little bit more of a surprise element than there is just with say 35 millimeter or large format or medium, whatever. And so that is, that itself is is interesting. That it, it, there's a little bit of fun. Um, it's the the thing that that really gets me about the pinhole photography is that it's simple. It's um, it it removes all everything that's unnecessary and boils everything in photography that's important down to the absolute like simplest and basic. Um, it takes away the lens. It takes away the aperture. It takes away the viewfinder. It takes away the batteries. It takes away um, composition because there's no, without a viewfinder, you can't frame your composition. So compositions end up being more intuitive or kind of a guesstimate. And so when you put all those things together, so you take everything away from that equation, all you're left with is shutter speed, intuition, light and like that's enough right like so you can go out and it be and it forces you to uh look at your subject a little bit more place a little bit more emphasis on your subject and and say like well what is it that you're actually trying to photograph you have to get a little bit closer it softens things to the point where it doesn't quite look like a sharp detailed image but kind of looks like something maybe that you would see in say a painting or something um, to where there's detail, but vague details. And so it, to me, like being outside with the pinhole camera and having all of those other elements removed from photography to where you're just focusing on your subject an intuitive composition and just how long you open the shutter for is just, there's something like super simple and silent and quiet about it um, that is, again, a nice balance to the, the other side of digital photography that's, you know, kind of prevalent right now. So it's a, it's a very much an artistic outlet. Um, it's also something that, you know, it's a, I didn't know it at the time, but like, instead of just like, oh, I'm going to go out and take a DSLR with me and a pinhole camera and go like, find something if I want to shoot it on pinhole or DSLR, I'll make that choice when I'm out there. And 
I tried that a few times and it just doesn't work. Um, it's a completely different mindset. When I go out, if I have a digital camera, I think differently and I see differently than I do when I have like just go out for a walk or a hike or goes on a trip or something with just a pinhole camera. It, it makes me engage with the landscape in a different way. Um, I have to, you know, if I'm with a pinhole camera, be, maybe be more focused on the actual subject, um, the, the full scene or a kind of a feeling. And it, it kind of allows you to not be so concerned with all the details. It doesn't, it allows you to, to not be so concerned with all the perfections of everything that we see and, um, you know, like a little more open to the imperfections that are out there and kind of frees up um, the creative process as well because there's, you know, not everything is going to be sharp. And so, like, you can put the camera in different places. You can uh, try different things. Um, it's just a, a very refreshing creative outlet compared with digital photography for me. When did the idea start though? I mean, there has to be a point where you were like, uh, I think I'll take this little wooden box out and see yeah. what I can do. <laughs> it was a couple of years ago. I, um, and I've always liked film and back in like 2016, I made the choice to sell my Canon, sell all my L lenses and go back to just 35 millimeter film photography. Because I wanted to pursue just the the simplest form. I wanted to like, um, you know, a couple prime lenses, film, manual camera, and just like focus on like the subject and myself and kind of eliminate the camera from the equation. And it was shortly right after that because I was, I kind of expanded on that and was thinking, well, if I want to really simplify things, why don't I just get rid of the actual lens? And then I discovered pinholes and, um, you know, there, now there's a couple companies out there that make pinhole cameras that they're not just a little hole in an oatmeal box or something like that. They actually have a machined um, pinhole shutter or a pinhole aperture on there to where it's relatively sharp. Some of the 4x5 pinhole cameras out there make incredibly detailed images, um, but they can do that without a lens. And I think it was through that simplification process that I came across pinhole photography and saw those cameras and I was like okay perfect this is the solution that I'm looking for that it allows you know some enough detail to where you can see it but it's still a pinhole camera so um, but it was through the process of wanting to simplify my photography for a few years that I discovered those where can people go to find more out about you uh, just check out my website Eric e. Photo dot com um is probably the the main way and then um uh i do post a fair amount on instagram too. share a lot of things that maybe aren't going to go on my website or just like thoughts and ramblings whatever um so ee underscore visual um yeah that's about it for right now well he's eric erlenbush eric is a photographer from southwest utah a cinnamon roll artisan eric mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us yeah thanks david i really appreciate the time 
So that's it for today's episode here, but this episode is actually continuing over on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and hear the exclusive interview with Eric Erlenbush. This is a part of the podcast that's only available to Patreon subscribers who continue to help the podcast going week after week. If you want access to that, again, go to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up for a tier that fits your budget. They're five, 10 and $20 a month with every single tier you get access to the bonus audio and also improved benefits as the tiers go up in price so thank you so much for listening to today's podcast i hope you head over to patreon and listen as eric and i continue to talk about his simplified lifestyle and how that benefits his photography learning about himself through his photography and also what he hopes to leave behind as his legacy in photography Thank you so much, and I'll see you in next week's episode.